3: Connecting to the big show.
4: In three, two, one. We are saying as long as there is breath in our bodies, we will not forget you. If we don't deal with this issue now, the problem will get bigger.
3: The lack of empathy. These women need to get over themselves. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just
5: talk? Call
4: 1850-715-996.
3: Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696.
4: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
3: The lines are live.
4: Let's kickstart the conversation.
3: This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
4: On Cork's 96fm.
6: Remember yesterday we were inundated with messages about people's passports and how long it was taking people to get their passport. I spoke to one woman yesterday who'd only got her passport or a passport for her new baby like after six months. Another man rang to say, Eight weeks? Are you joking me? We're 12 weeks waiting for a passport. Well, believe it or not, weren't they listening Blowing the passport office and they sent us a statement. I'll get to that in a little while. eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. good morning to you. Let me go straight to Toker, where that fire is under control, I think now. Victor Shine from Cork City Fire Brigade joins me. Victor, good morning.
7: Good morning, PJ. What's
6: the story? Uh, the core house, what happened?
7: Core house on Pollybuff Road, PJ, this morning shortly after 7 o'clock, uh, there was a fire in the upper floors of this building. It's... Uh, penetrated through the roof uh, so um, drivers on the Southlink road would have noticed a lot of smoke in the area due to this fire so the fire was quickly brought under control um, and we're in a salvage process here now there's a lot of high-tech equipment inside our server units and so on which would uh, impact on a lot of businesses if uh, the shutdown of the building isn't done in a quick sequence so it's under control, and uh, we're just starting to wind up now very shortly. Good, it's
6: an industrial premises, isn't it, Victor? Yeah.
7: Yes, there's a number of uh, IT companies inside this building, and um, so it was a shock to them. We are speaking to the managers just a uh, few minutes ago, and uh, we're in the process now of uh, carefully shutting down the electrical supplies to the building due to the servers that uh, the information may be lost. Okay, okay, but it is under control anyway, and that's the good news. Is it the fire is under control and there's nobody injured in the in the, in the the building during the fire yeah any
6: concerns about the smoke a lot of people were complaining about the level of smoke and could that be dangerous harmful not at all windows, no? there were
7: no there were no uh, true chemicals involved it was your carbonaceous materials your timbers and so on that you'd have in a, a roof space so it would be the, the properties of a, a domestic fire really as opposed to chemicals that you might get in a commercial type environment so it would be standard uh, class A type materials burning
6: So so no need to worry about the smoke that's good news for people no, Traffic no. disruption, Victor, what's the story?
7: Now there's a lot of traffic in the area Guard control management was in place uh, during this phase but that's all cleared up now so traffic is flowing past this premises freely and um, everything should be back to normal very shortly
6: I know it's probably very early to assess it but the level of damage done to the building how bad is it?
7: um the upper floor has some significant damage to a uh, two particular rooms and and obviously the roof space itself so the companies inside in that building will be uh probably out of the building for a number of weeks until that's completely repaired um uh, but i believe uh, due to the nature of the work uh, remote working and changing uh, server locations is possible so there shouldn't be too much disruption to the the businesses there yeah.
6: Victor, we must have a chat between now, it's seven weeks, today is Christmas Eve. We must have a chat between now and Christmas about safety and fire safety in the home over the Christmas. So we'll we'll talk to you at some stage between now and then. Absolutely,
7: PJ, I'd love to do that with you.
6: All right, good friend of the show, Victor Schein, second officer with Cork City Fire Brigade, (laughs) live there from Toker, from the scene of that fire at the Core House. Nothing to worry about with regard to the smoke. Traffic should be easing around... No, thank you, Victor. Yeah, let me get back to that from the Department of Foreign Affairs. Remember, yesterday I was talking to Cullen Burke, uh, Deputy Cullen Burke, and he was he himself was acknowledging that uh, eight weeks for a new passport is just too long. And then um, someone contacted us to say, "Sorry, eight weeks. We are still waiting, and it's twelve weeks." But the best of them all was the woman who rang me. Was her name April, I think it was. And she said, hold on a second now. I made an application for a passport for my new baby uh, in May. And I got it yesterday or the day before. Six months on. She'd cancelled a Thanksgiving trip. She'd cancelled a Christmas trip to the US because she was waiting on this Passport. So while we were having this conversation with our callers, someone was listening in the Department of Foreign Affairs and said they heard their discussion and they want, and then they got in touch to say the following. The passport card, which also came up, that can be used to travel to the UK and the EU. All airlines also accept the passport card. They also tell us passport online is much faster than the Passport Express for most applications And they tell us about 50% of passports for online adult renewal continue to issue within two working days. Which tells us absolutely nothing about the case of the three-month wait and the case of the six-month wait. But thank you, lads. Really do appreciate it. By the way, something else that we've been hearing overnight and this morning, it would appear there are no appointments available for COVID testing in Cork since yesterday. Now, we've been on to the HSC. We've contacted them to see what they can tell us. But we are hearing that there's no tests available in Cork at the moment. Liston was on to us, uh, who's a close contact, anxious to get tested, trying to book and can't. And also they said they couldn't find any antigen tests in Cork. Now, I saw tests, antigen tests, It wasn't this morning, it was yesterday morning. They had quite a stock of them in a Tesco Express that I happened to be in, up near the Tills. Uh, I do know that an Aldi that I go to a lot that used to have them doesn't have them, didn't have them last night. I was just looking around. Uh, Boots Chemist was stocking them. Uh, Whether they've got any, I don't know. But certainly this listener was having a problem tracking down antigen tests. But we have asked the HSE for clarification about that one. Is there or is there not a shortage of PCR testing facility in Cork today and heading into the weekend?
3: Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With
4: McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. Cmig.ie. Can we just talk?
3: The opinion line with PJ Coogan.
4: Text or WhatsApp now 083 396
3: on Cork's 96 FM. Yeah,
6: if you are trying to get yourself a PCR test at the moment through the HSE system, is it slower than it has been? Because we've had a couple of calls to say that there's nothing to be had test wise in Cork today. Uh, not too sure about tomorrow or about Sunday. Come back to that. A 24-year-old Cork man has been arrested by police in Britain on foot of an Irish arrest warrant and he's due to be extradited back to Ireland later this month to be charged with the murder of a young man in Cork three years ago. The arrest took place in Cambridgeshire. 96 uh, FM news reporter Moraid Tuig is with me. Moraid, what can you tell me? Good morning.
8: Hi PJ, good morning. Yeah, So he's due again uh, to appear on November 12th. That's before Westminster Magistrates Court. He was remanded in custody there. Uh, he was arrested in Huntingdon, which is in Cambridgeshire in England. And that was early yesterday morning and he was brought before Westminster Magistrates Court. They say, he's remanded in custody. He's appearing there again on the 12th of November. Now, gardi here had obtained a European arrest warrant for him because they'd received directions from the DPP to charge him, as you said there, with the murder of 24-year-old Connor Quinn. Now, that happened back in 2018. It was during a row on Bridge Street in Mallow. It happened in July of that year. On July 12th, he was stabbed to death there in Mallow. So they, Gardaí here had identified the suspect early on, but he fled the country and he went to the UK. So... Uh, The Gardaí here began liaising with their counterparts in the UK. That was through Interpol and British police located him. He was living under a false name in Huntingdon. Mm. So I suppose Conor Quinn is the victim in all of this. 24-year-old, he's a native of County Galway, Loch Ray. He'd moved to uh, Kilavullen, which is in North Cork, PJ, a few months before uh, his murder. And uh, on the day in question, it was the evening of July 12th around half eight in the evening. He got out of the car with another man. He was confronting another young man on Bridge Street, uh, which as I say is in Mallow and uh, the row broke out and there was a knife produced uh, he was stabbed once in the chest the rewards, and the so attackers fled now. the scene and um, it was witnessed by you know Connor Quinn's friends as well as other passers-by who were in the area in Mallow town of half eight uh, you know in a summer's evening mm-hmm. and uh, they used CCTV as well that Gardaí had harvested from the area now Mr Quinn he collapsed on the street an ambulance took him to CUH um, but he was pronounced dead shortly upon arrival at the hospital Mm-hmm. Um, his, I suppose at the time his partner Stephanie w- was pregnant she gave birth to a little boy just a few days after it and she named the baby Connor um, mm-hmm. after after Mr Quinn
6: That's such a tragedy isn't it? My God
8: It is yeah. such a sad it's so sad and now I mean that happened in, in 2018 we're in 2021 now and um, this man in, in the UK he's as I say appearing again November 12th mm-hmm. in Westminster Magistrates Court and uh, to be extradited back here to Ireland to face the, the murder charge
6: Okay Alright Maury um, Thank you for that. That's uh, six that's fm News reporter, Maureen Tuig, on that development in the investigation of the murder of Conor Quinn in Mallow, uh, July morning, three years ago. I remember it. I remember it very well. July evening it happened, three years ago. I remember it very well. Uh, summer's evening, beautiful summer's evening, and that tragedy happened in, in Mallow. So we'll follow that one with interest, as they say, over the next uh, couple of weeks and indeed months. On the testing, on the phone, someone says, it's time we wised up now and opened 24-hour antigen and PCR testing to keep the numbers down. I know they're trying to incentivize vaccination by cutting back on tests, but sure everyone is nearly vaccinated at this stage, the focus now must be on limiting the spread. Every little helps. You wouldn't believe the lengths my visitors had to go to to get a test before catching a plane back to the UK because she was being responsible and didn't want to infect a baby or an old person. And, of course, what you can't do is you can't get a HSE test for travel. If you need a PCR test, you can't get the HSE test for travel. You've got to go get a private one and pay for it, and they're not cheap. And something else I saw as well with the antigen tests for travel, like an antigen test in a box in a shop is about, at most, six or seven quid. Uh, some of the places that are supplying antigen tests and doing them on the premises are charging the bones of 50. But that's that's not on. That's not incentivizing anybody to get tested. Just hearing as well, boots have a five-pack. Boots on Patrick Street have a five-pack at the moment. Caller would be afraid people are not using them properly. And do you know what, Caller? I was one of the first to say that a few months ago. I kept saying I couldn't really trust people to go and buy something in Tesco or Lidl or Aldi or Boots or wherever and just use it there on the kitchen table. But it would seem... Because I've not tried it, but it would seem from those who have that they're quite easy to use. The instructions are very clear. If you're not too sure how to use them, there's absolutely certain to be a video on YouTube or TikTok showing you how to do it. So, yeah, you might have one dud uh, until you get used to the process, But, but for the most part, they seem quite easy to use. I'm still very impressed with the message we got yesterday from a daily listener in Leeds. Good morning again, Sinead. Uh, Sinead was saying that she can get a packet of eight tests for herself and her family free of charge any day. Seven days a week. Delivered for free. That's where we need to be. Will we ever get there?
3: Can we just talk? Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them
4: now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. C-M-I-G dot I-E. Let me show you
3: what it's all about. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix
4: weekdays from midday on Cork's 96 FM if you love hearing these guys on the radio hi Ed Sheeran here hi this is Adele hey it's me Justin Bieber then join me in the afternoons for the biggest tunes plus huge giveaways you're going to see Ed Sheeran oh my god thank you so much and Cheryl I'll have you on for a chat as well I'm good how are you played that new Adele song there gonna crack open a bottle of wine and some tissues (laughs) in the afternoons in Cork make sure you're here with me. me
3: Show you what it's all about Check it out Simon Murdoch Midday to 4pm On Cork's 96FM Can we just talk The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
4: Call us now, 1850-715-996.
3: On Cork's 96FM.
6: Checking out the situation again at COP26 in Glasgow in a wee while with a young Cork activist who will be taking part in a Fridays for Future event in Glasgow later on today. That's all to come. I'm just saying to Fiona there, uh, I've never been a mum, so I have no idea, as you can imagine, so I have no idea what it is like to be a sleep-deprived mum. I know what it's like to be a kind of sleep-deprived dad, but it's a bit different for us, really. But experts and scientists and buffins and doctors now say that it's not just the lack of sleep, it's not just tiring, it's not just exhausting, it actually physically ages you biologically ages you for for years or by years. Uh, Kelly Gagan is an expert in paediatric sleep and child sleep. Kelly, good morning to you.
9: Good morning. How are
6: you? Good. As I said, I've never been a mum, so I, I don't know what it's like. I do know what it's like to be been a, a dad of twins and getting up for two o'clock feeds and three o'clock feeds. But I was coming in from gigs, say, so I was just doing it as part of getting home. I never really remember that sleep deprivation. But I know what it looks like in somebody.
9: Well, we often get emails at three or four in the morning with pleas of help. Please, I haven't slept in 12 months, 16 months, two and a half years. Um, And it does catch up with parents and I try and work with parents before um, they hit that wall of exhaustion, if possible. Um, There's no, there's no point in waiting until you literally don't know your own name um, to ask for help. If you can see yourself on a slippery slope and know it's not going to get better, then I do encourage parents to look for a little bit of help. It doesn't have to be so difficult.
6: I suppose an amount of it is inevitable. Given that Absolutely. for, baby has to be fed every four hours or so.
9: Well, up to 12 weeks. So most of my maternity babies, so I'm a maternity nurse and my maternity babies sleep through the night by 12 weeks old with one planned feed around midnight. So I know it's possible and it doesn't matter if the baby's combo fed, um, breastfed, bottle fed, it can be done. But we often get parents with maybe a nine month old or uh, right now I'm working with two sets of twins, Um, one one set of boy twins and that there's a, a 12 12 month old girl twins and they literally haven't slept a night since they came into this world and the parents just, they don't even know if they're coming or going, they're ships in the night literally
6: Mm -hmm. What The the, the science is telling us now that actually it does physically age the body, in what way?
9: Well, during our REM sleep, that's when our brain recovers. That's when the cells renew. It protects our immune system, but also that's when we store long-term memories. So if you are in work um, or you're in college or you just have a lot of things on, if you don't get to that REM sleep cycle in the middle of the night, it, you find it very difficult to remember what things that you learned the day before or things that happened the day before. You'll often hear parents exhaust parents going I don't even know what day of the week it is mm-hmm. because they're so exhausted and it's just as important for children children need good quality sleep because say for example you're doing bath time with junior and you say junior can you give me that blue cup please give that to dada and he hands you the green when you say no honey this is green that's the blue one and he goes oh okay and he hands you the blue one the next night if he's had a good night's sleep in the bath he'll be handing you the blue one say there you go because they remember Okay. So so it's just as important and especially with everything that's going on in the world. Sleep helps protect our immune system. If you're sleep deprived, you're more likely to suffer from illnesses. Mm-hmm.
6: About how much sleep does mom really need between like does mom need a good solid 4 hour, 5 hour, 6 hour burst of sleep to get rest and how the hell does she get that? <laughs>
9: Well, if your child is on a good routine, which means that their day routine is complementary to their nights, that means you've got the most chance of having good stretches of sleep at night. You know, if you have a nine month old, for example, who is highly reliant on the soother, They will wake every sleep cycle every 45 minutes. But if you have a nine month old on a good routine that doesn't have a reliance on sleep aids, they could sleep from seven to seven. No problem whatsoever. So it really does depend on what happens in your day is going to be reflective of the nights. But for the first 12 weeks, for sure, you're going to be up twice a night at least to do feeds. But that's only short term in the grand scheme of things. But mm-hmm. I really don't think that should run into like we've get emails and it's like we've, I have a two year old who's in my bed. I'm getting an elbow in the nose in the middle of the night a foot in the ear. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, no one's getting any rest. Well, if you're not rested the next day, your child isn't rested the next day. Mm-hmm. So it's really about recognizing that as early as possible and trying to do something about it.
6: There's not just um, a need for a feed that wakes them up. They can wake up for any number of reasons. Some of them are just, are, is it a myth? Are there just some bad sleepers, Kelly?
9: I don't believe in bad sleepers I and I don't believe in naughty children either. I do believe that we send a lot of mixed messages out of the goodness of our heart, but we confuse children. So, um, no, I don't believe that there's bad sleepers. Um, I, I feel like they're, for example, if you say, OK, it's Saturday night, come on, you can come into my bed. But on Tuesday night, you can't because I've worked in the morning. Most children don't know what a Saturday and a Tuesday is. So why are you confusing them? They're either in your bed all the time or they're not.
6: Mm. Is letting them into the bed a bad habit? Now, I would have said yes, but what does science say?
9: Well, the thing is, how you rate it is, if you are getting quality sleep and you feel rested the next day, it's okay. But if you're not because you're tossing and turning and you're afraid a little person's going to go bump onto the floor, then no. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Because they will want to come in and if you let them in then they'll want to come in more and before you know it you have a three-year-old inside in the bed with you.
9: Oh, I've helped children up to six years old who've never slept in their own bed. So the older they get the more difficult it is and they can take it more personally. Like we get a lot of um, emails from parents saying I'm I'm pregnant, I'm going to have the next one in a month or two and my three-year-old is in my bed, please help. Okay, well, You knew you were pregnant a little while, so (laughs) maybe we could have put a plan of action in a little bit sooner, but it's still not too late. So you kind of have to think long term. It's lovely to have the cuddles in the bed. And if it's what suits your family and your lifestyle. I'm delighted for you. The people who come to me, they're really struggling with sleep. They're like, I'm back in work. I can't focus. I don't even. I remember a mom I was talking to and she said, Kelly, I don't even remember driving into work this morning. I was in such a, a, a daze from the lack of sleep. That was dangerous. That's not
6: even funny. No, that's not funny at all. That's, that's no. deadly dangerous. Yeah. So do you sometimes, Kelly, have to be. What's the word they, they, they say? It's It's a bit of tough love. Do you you have to occasionally put up with the fact that the child is going to scream? Well,
9: it depends on the age of the child. So sometimes the routine alone will complement the night. So say if I'm helping again, maybe a 12 month old and the parent is walking across the hall every hour at nighttime, sticking a in. with the good routine in the day, that may turn into two walk across the halls in the middle of the night. And then the parents say, no, I'm happy with that. I'm good. I'm, we're in a much better place. We're getting more sleep. Or they may say, no, no, I feel like we're leaving a door open here and we may slip backwards. I'd like to get rid of the soother. So in that case, we might do a little bit of sleep training, which teaches the baby to go sleep without the soother. But the sleep training that I use. And um, the parents would be in and out like absolute yo-yos. Basically, they're saying mama comes back with a sleepy time or Dada. Dada comes back with a sleepy time. Dada comes back with a sleepy time. So they know we're still rocking around, but they're not getting the Dodie to go to sleep. And if they can go to sleep without the Dodie or the yoga ball or whatever their thing is, that means when they go to link sleep cycles, they can go back to sleep without that item or assistance.
6: Proper little manipulators, aren't they? Some...
9: <laughs> well, the thing is, we actually taught them that, you know, so we offered the suitor, or we started the rocking. Why? Because that's what we thought we should do. But then when you're like, Um, I'm jumping on a yoga ball six times at night to rock this baby's sleep. My back is broken. You know, (laughs) I have a great core muscles, but my back is broken.
6: (laughs) I mean, brain doesn't work. I don't know what day I have or night I have or... Yeah, Brain fog is a thing as well, isn't it, when you're a new mom?
9: Absolutely. And it's, you know, they do compare it to drink driving. Like, if you're that exhausted, you can be dangerous to yourself, like, you know, operating machinery. It's just and just general day-to-day things, you're not going to function um, and the, and as as a parent or as a day-to-day working adult um, if you're if you're not getting enough sleep. Now, I'm on the minimum end of the sleep requirement. I maybe go to bed around 10, 11. I can jump out of the bed at five o'clock. I have a twin sister and, you know, she needs a lot more sleep than I. So we're all different. But how you judge it is, can you cope from waking up all the way to the next sleep? Um, and if you can happily, obviously you're getting tired towards the end of your day, then that's enough for you.
6: Yeah. The old argument about feeding on demand, is that, is that a good or a bad thing?
9: It's Again, it's totally what what suits your lifestyles. Some parents want to work on a routine from early on. And I have this Let's Get Started program for babies from newborn um to four months old. And that helps guide baby on a routine. And I'm all for breastfeeding. I'm not, you know bottles only like 40 percent of my sleepy stars last year were breastfed babies so you can actually breastfeed on a routine if that's what suits your lifestyle if you want to feed on demand then completely support that but they're not the people that come to me now not immediately they may come down the line and say i was feeding on demand to nine months i have to go back to work now next month and I can't be up four times at night feeding. Please help. Well, you kind of knew you were going back to work at 10 months. So maybe we should have addressed this maybe around the five month mark. Mm. You know, so again, I, I think, think what I'm out. what I'm
6: hearing here, Kelly, is that you you, you need to have a, an amount of personal responsibility in this as well. Look after yourself and know what you're at.
9: Absolutely. We all function a little bit better with sleep and having a plan in place, you know, like, Oh, I let daddy do like when you had your twins, you know, I let daddy do that feed and I'll get a little bit of rest. So have a plan for the night, you um, know, to, to see, you know, can you catch up on a little bit of sleep? Because it's just as important to you. Like for years, I worked shift work and I lived on, you know, energy drinks and Snickers and that's not good. You know, and I was probably <laughs> in the worst health of my life, but I was just basically in survival mode, yeah. you know, and um, it's only now that I kind of. I, I especially with COVID, that I'm not doing so much night shifts anymore. I can see that I can do so much more during my wakeful day than I would have if I was on night shift walking around in a bit of a daze.
6: Okay. P- where can people uh, find out more? Sleepy Stars is your site, isn't it?
9: That's it. Sleepystars.ie. So um, there's loads of information on there. Now, we have new webinars coming up. So, all the webinars that I run, they usually sell out pretty quickly, like 100 tickets sold in a couple of minutes. So um, that just shows you uh, that parents are seeking help. And I do support that. So um, we'll have new dates um, put up in a, in a couple of days. So for the next webinar. So maybe keep an eye on there. And there's some products up there as well. For years, I worked with celebrities and VIPs jetting around the world, private jets, super yachts, the whole shebang. Oh. And I've used... Some of the best gimmicks and some of the worst gimmicks. Want a... to drop
6: a name or two? Pardon? Want to drop a name or
9: two? I've signed more non-disclosure agreements <laughs> than you've had hot dinners. Well, Nov- Novak Djokovic was one of them, and I've done... um. I've done a, a Instagram lives with them, so I don't mind mentioning there them. Um, CJ Sander, I worked for those guys as well. Lovely family.
6: All right, Kelly, great talking to you. Kelly Gagan from Sleepy Stars. Maria says, yes, it does. It ages us. It's the worst part of parenting. I understand why my head doesn't work anymore. Uh, yeah. 1850 Thanks that for that, Kelly. Reminder to you to keep entering our succession giveaway. All this week on Corks 96 FM, we are celebrating the release of Season 3 with Now, that holiday in New York. Ten grand, flights, limo, five-star hotel, helicopter ride, the whole shooting match and spending money. The question, of course, you need to answer, who plays Logan Roy in succession? Is it A, Brian Cox, or B, Courtney Cox? How do you enter? You text the word holiday, then you answer either A or B, then your name to Five seventy eighty. Tax cost you two quid. You must be over eighteen. Get the bill payer's permission as well. Winners on November the 9th and all the T's and C's you need to know are at ninety six fmie dot I E eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. I like what that lady is saying. It's time to recognise that a two year old bad sleeper is a result of poor structure and discipline as opposed to the Instagram parents taking a photo of themselves with their toddler's foot on their face and hashtag parenting struggles or hashtag mum are heroes. Yeah, we've all seen those Instagram Pictures. So we have 1850 715 Rice, Glasgow, COP26. It's like someone said to me during the week, PJ, you've been at the Eurovision. I have been a few. Uh, it's like three Eurovisions. It's enormous. It's just a huge, huge event. And right at the heart of it is UCC law student Alicia O'Sullivan, who is preparing to take part in a couple of events today and next week. So I spoke to her before we came on air. Alicia, good morning. and Tell me, you're, you're in Glasgow as we speak, but tell us how you got there. You, you took the long road as it was.
10: We did. We took the long road and the more carbon-friendly road, um, or maybe not road, rather, um, ocean. But um, we started, um, I'm obviously in student accommodation in Cork City, so we all kind of st- stemmed from Cork City, a train to Dublin and then uh, another train to Belfast. We stayed overnight in Belfast um, and then we got a ferry uh, over to Scotland and then another bus uh, to Glasgow um, and then a train to Edinburgh where we were staying.
6: How long did it all take and why did you decide to do it that way?
10: Um, well, the travelling time of actually being on, you know, transportation is about was about 12 hours um but you know obviously we stayed overnight so it was over two days Um, and look we chose to do it that way because it's it's you know practice what you preach a little bit um it's about half roughly half the carbon emissions than a flight we we did do the maths Um, and i suppose look it's important that you know ucc is a a leading university in sustainability one of the top 10 uh, most sustainable universities in the world yeah um So it's important that, you know, when we're going to conferences like this and we're asking people to change and we're asking politicians to lead the way that, you know, we're not just kind of being hypocritical, really.
6: Yeah. Why is it important for you to be there this week?
10: Um, It's important for a multitude of reasons, I suppose. First of all, um, you know, I'm a young person. um, I'm a student. Um, I'm the environmental officer in UCC students union so it's great I get to represent the people who elected me you know over four and a half thousand students uh, voted for me so that's that's important first of all and second of all I suppose on a, on a grander scheme of what we need to do in terms of combating climate change Um again I'm here with UCC in week one and in week two I'm with world YMCA so um, I suppose from the YMCA perspective, we're trying to bring as many voices to the table. So voices from places like Ghana, from the US, um, from Peru. Um, so it's really important that you know, we have a diverse range of voices yeah. coming to the table. And this is a huge issue at COP anyway. Um, you know, a lack of kind of representation from youth, marginalized communities indigenous peoples um so that's just you know only obviously one reason why it's important that you know it's not just um you know doctors and academics here but also young people who are you know concerned for the future
6: yeah you're there for a specific event next week tell me about that
10: yeah so the event i'm um i'm going to be part of next week is uh called the power of investing in youth-led solutions and it's actually on a ferry um which is very interesting um considering i can't swim as well <laughs> um uh, it's going to be in a ferry, just a couple of minutes uh, from the cop venue um it's open and and free tickets um and i'm, I'm also aware i think it's streamed online um so um it's a, it's about basically a, a group of us four and a panel having a conversation about, you know, what it's like to be a young person involved in like advocacy and and the barriers to that. And also how people, not just the government, but how organizations, groups, institutions, you know, secondary schools, um, the media can invest in us um, Mm. and help us, you know, just like you're doing here now, like just having a conversation, listening to us, uh, getting our voices out there. And the best way to do that, the best way to support us, you know, also hardships we've had and, and, and bad experiences we've had, and to share those to kind of shed a light in the hopes that, you know, people can not do it that way as well yeah. um, and, and, and do things better for, you know, the upcoming activists, the upcoming Greta Thunberg and, and upcoming um, groups like us.
6: Yeah. Talking to young people during the week, as we have been on the programme about COP26, it's it's very important to younger people. Care to tell me why, Alicia?
10: Yeah, well, I suppose it's the science um, that's out there um, that's you know, we've known for a long time. But I think, um, you know, obviously the whole Fridays for Future movement has elevated, um, you know, just how um, we're at a crux point, really, of where we need to change and we, we need to take action, um, not as not just governments, but people and civil society and, and groups like UCC and YMCA to support people. So I think it's important because we, you know, Young people, we're, we're, we haven't really gone through life and, and, and dealt with all the things of, like, professional careers and stuff like that. So I think we see it as it is um, without any kind of, um, you know, shadowing or, you know, shadows in our eyes or anything like that or possibly money in our eyes. We just see it is it, what it is for what it is, and that's that it, we're facing a huge, the, the most paramount um you know, global emergency. I mean, if you sat here and listened, uh, as I've done, to the people who are the worst affected by this, you know, their homes literally destroyed, you know, family members just being wiped out, whole families being wiped out, friends, the amount of young people I've met this week, their, their friends have died. Like, it's just, it's terrible. And they're saying, you know, this is because of climate change, and it is, and we know that because that's what the top scientists in the world tell us and it's it's frustrating then for you know people like me who come from places like Ireland that aren't you know visually affected yet detrimentally by climate change, and it's hard to not think we should be doing more
6: yeah. Yeah. You'll be attending one of the Friday events as well, won't you, Friday for Change?
10: Yeah, so the Fridays for Future Strike um, is on uh, Friday. Um, and there's also a, a march um, on Saturday for Climate Justice as well. So I hope to attend both of those as well, show solidarity.
6: Do you think that the the leaders inside in the big conference hall, like, do they take notice of groups like that outside?
10: I I think they do. I think... I mean, if you look at um, the climate conversation before, you know, the, ins- the instigation in the beginning of Fridays for Future, um, it was there. You know, the science was obviously there. There was groups, there's been groups talking about climate change for years and many activists before Gretchen Thunberg and, and many after her, I'm sure. But I think that was a turning point um, where, you know, it can be quite powerful when young people, you know, start striking and, and taking days off school um, because they care so much about something, um, and I think at the at the beginning, certainly pre COVID times, having the amount thousands, you know, I remember in Cork, I was at the first one. I think mm. we had over ten thousand young people, you know, kind of storming the streets and and, and outside City Hall in Cork. So it was, it, you know, it was quite. Um, Uh, emotional and just uh, powerful and I think a lot of conversations happened in homes then you know when when young people teenagers decided to take the day off school and of course many families supported them and parents said you know good on you go for it and so I think um, they do uh, definitely before COVID I know COVID had an impact on the strikes obviously it wasn't possible Um, but I think tomorrow um, on Friday and also Saturday, I think it will be impactful because it's happening just outside the doors of the venues where, um, you know, these converse, these serious conversations about, you know, our future is happening.
6: I don't know if you had a chance to, to read through or see beyond the headlines of the climate action plan that the government has just released. Uh, there's a lot to take in in that plan. But from what you can see, uh, what do you make of it?
10: Um, it's been such a hectic day here, so I'm I'm yet to, to have a look at it. Um, I know that um, when Michal Martin was here on Taoiseach, um making his speech the other the other day in in the plenary, um, I know that he had agreed to give 225 million a year until 2025, which mm. was doubling our efforts towards. Um, towards um, developing countries and um, marginalised communities, which I think is a really good step in the right direction. Um, you know, that's obviously just one thing. Mm. Um, but again, from like a climate finance perspective and supporting the countries most affected, it's, it's, it's crucial.
6: And he seems to be accepting now uh, very much so that there is no choice but to do this.
10: Yeah, it seems so. I mean, how many people, I suppose, have we heard say that? Um, And, Mm. you know, I think what what matters is um, the words here matter. I think the conference matters. Um, You know, a lot of what you see and what you hear about COP is is really just what you see and hear. A lot of the stuff, the negotiators, the the people actually making the change aren't in the room um, and they'll never get into the room. Um, so I think that's important, but I think look, what will matter is what we see over the next span. You know, will will actions follow the words? Um, particularly, you know, Mihal Martins.
6: I was just going to, to finish by asking you that, Alicia. I mean, there you are in the thick of it right now, watching this and observing this. And in 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 ten years' time, what do you hope will have been achieved from these discussions? I mean, as as a young person facing into a career and life and all those things.
10: Um, Well, I'd like to not be doing this by the time I'm 30. Um, I'd like to, you know, uh, stop devoting my life to, um, you know, trying to create this change and and trying to, you know, fight for something that I just shouldn't have to fight for, really. Um, So I'd like that to happen. But um, from obviously a climate change perspective, you know, we do... That whole one point five degrees is so important and you know I'd be surprised um, you know, if we got to a point where we're not obviously going over two degrees at this point, but we do need the you know, the reduction in carbon emissions by twenty thirty. Now I know like we have a legally binding mandate to cut by fifty one percent in greenhouse gases by twenty thirty. Um now whether that will happen or not uh, you know this climate action plan hopefully maybe sets out some proper targets for it uh like i said i'm yet to check um but again we need a a structured plan and, and how to do that in the next couple of months to a year and, um, and just put the heads down and do it and do it together, you know all this blaming of different sectors and groups I don't think it helps anyone it's all about coming together finding a plan where we can all move forward not leaving anyone in the dark not leaving anyone to blame and just moving because it's everyone's problem and it's everyone's responsibility not
6: just one person or one group of people Alicia, enjoy the rest of the conference and a safe journey home
3: when you are coming back
10: Thanks very much PJ
3: Can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With
4: McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. See MIG.ie.
3: The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. 96 96.
4: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
3: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
4: On Cork's 96FM.
6: We've had a voice note from a mum. I'll hold on, on to it and I'll play it for you in a wee while because I think it might start... A conversation off the back of our talking about sleep and uh, being sleep deprived as a parent. We did a good chat with Kelly Gagan from Sleepy Stars in the last hour. And one of the things Kelly was saying was it's really not a good habit to have a three-year-old inside in your bed. Uh, And if you're having trouble getting them out of the bed when they're getting older, then you kind of created that problem for yourself. We've had a voice note that kind of contradicts that a little bit and it might start a conversation, so I'll hold on to it for a little bit. On the whole green agenda and COP26 and all of that and we're going to be talking more and more about retrofitting and one thing I've always said, and I stand over this and I'll argue this with any activist who wants to argue it with me. Um, the cost of retrofitting your home is going to put financial pressure on a lot of families over the the years to come. And a lot of people will go into debt to try to retrofit their home. And that's something that any government that wants us to progress in a green and sustainable way is going to have to A, recognise and B, help with. Because right now, if you do any kind of a spreadsheet at the cost of retrofitting your home, you will be left with a bill. You absolutely will. So... We'll talk about that in a, in a wee while. Micheál Martin's a great man, says this message for giving away taxpayers' money. £225 million would retrofit every home in Ireland. Well, probably not, but we do get the point. 1850-715-996. I do re- remember very, very well sitting here in the early days of the pandemic when the whole world seemed to be falling down around us and we really didn't know which way to turn. And then our attention were drawn to messages that workers were getting at Debenhams. Messages that told them, lads, your jobs are gone, effectively. That was the beginning of it and the end of it. And we all know where that led to. A strike, a protest, a campaign to try to get what they felt they were entitled to. And it's now led to a book. Uh, one of the people featured in that book is Caroline Bridgman, who worked in, Ma- in Debitums in Mahan Point. You're now featured in the book and you involved in the launch today. carol good morning to you.
2: Yes, it is. It's been, it was a long 406 days um, of industrial action. There was a lot of highs and lows. There was a lot of action taken from the workers because out of necessity that we had to do these things. Um, and like that, we faced a battle, a non stop battle for 406 days. And to be honest, that battle still continues getting access to the fund. Yeah. But um, one of the good things to come out of it for the workers is this book that has been published for the workers. Mm.
6: Um, How did it come about, that- Caroline? Who approached you to be part of it?
2: Well, I mean, obviously we had to use the platform, um, the media platform, an awful lot because of the pandemic and um, restrictions and, and whatnot. So the, the media platform was a huge, a huge opportunity for us to get the word out there and to get organized and to fight back against what we were facing. So um, it was through the media that this man, Fergus Dowd, from Dublin, originally from Dublin, now living in Carlow, he, um, he seen what was going on through um, Twitter and Facebook and he got in touch with one of our colleagues up in Newbridge, Suzanne Sherry. Mm-hmm. So through his contact with her, he was doing research. He was after being involved in a project for the Patrick O'Connell Memorial. Mm-hmm. So he was able to link in with Suzanne and got in touch with Linda O'Carroll from Dublin that would have been tied in with the Patrick O'Connell Memorial. And then he became involved and very interested in the Debenhams action and what we were facing, what we were going through, and he got a lot of support for us um, from high-profile people from the UK, from Spain, all across Ireland. So he he did help us and support us, and then he decided that he would document um, the the struggle of the Debenhams workers and people that were involved in it, that it affected. and um, So he started interviewing a lot of the workers in early January. And it took about nine months to compile a lot of stories and a lot of the background um, into the action and what led to the demise of the company. So, um, yeah, it was very interesting. Now, at the time, it was only meant to be a, document, a documentary kind of archival document. But, it's, but it did lead onto a book, which is justifiable for the workers mm-hmm. what they have gone through and what they've experienced.
6: How does it feel, Caroline, to, to pick up a book like this? As you will at the launch this morning, you've probably got it already, and say, "Here, my stories in here."
2: Do you know what? I'm actually very, very excited about it. Um, the book does feature myself and my family on the front cover. So it just goes to show the importance of what, not just myself personally have gone through, but all our families have gone through, and the turmoil and the upset. They, I mean, it took over our whole lives for the duration of the 406 days. So it was a massive part of of what we became after our, our jobs went into liquidation. So it's I must say, no, I'm very excited about it. I'm. Just anxious to get my hands physically on a copy of the book, and the fact that it will be going into all day, the major libraries around Ireland and UK, into museums. So okay. it's just a tribute to the workers who made and um, made this happen. Is it a little bit emotional this?
6: as well, Caroline?
2: Yes, yes. Um, I mean, like I said, I mean from start to finish, there was an awful lot of highs and lows. Um, for me personally, down the mountain point when the stock was taken out of the store, it was a huge kick to the gut. I mean, it took me a week to recover um, emotionally from that. Yeah. And I mean, even coming to the end of it, it was like I, wasn't, I, I was one that wouldn't have been in favour of the fund. But for me, it was a massive, it, it felt like a big loss to me. The pickets were a lifeline to the workers through the pandemic, and I mean we were experiencing so many different between family losses. We were, I mean, we had the highs and lows. We had the fear of the pandemic. So for that alone, the pickets became a lifeline for people that were able to meet familiar people to mm-hmm. discuss things that we would ordinarily have done to our to our workplace anyway.
6: Yeah, and you, lived, you lived with each other and in each other's lives for that period yeah.
2: of, of time. And, and yeah. supported each other, knowing, um, and that was invaluable.
6: Stay there for me a second, Carol-Ann, um because I remember going down to the Pickett and Patrick Street a few times, uh, day 100, day 200, and I remember being asked, and very privileged at one point, to just say a few words at an event one afternoon, for the workers down there outside Debenhams in Patrick Street. And one woman who was always there and was on this programme many, many times. Madeline Whelan. Hi, Mad.
11: Good morning, PJ.
6: How are you these days?
11: I'm good, good. Still still there, still fighting the fight.
6: Good for you, so good I'm for I'm you. I'm
11: on the commissary for this fund, so yeah, I'm still not finished with Debenhams yet.
6: Yeah, it's it's a, like, it's like not all sorted out. It hasn't got away. No.
11: no, we're on the start line. That's where we are at the moment, and hopefully... GDPR and because of the coronavirus, really has slowed down everything. Because of this fund, because everything has to be done online, and mm. it's just it's hard. You know, it's not easy, but we will stick with it, and we will get what we are meant to get.
6: Did you ever think it would end up in the form of a book?
11: No, never, never. But I suppose none of it, everything is a dream that we went through from day one. For the four hundred and six days, it was like a dream anyway. PJ, Do you know, as you know yourself, it was hard going twenty-four hours a day there in Patrick Street and Major Street. So mm. the book, it's actually great to see the book because at least we've got something to show for it after the 406 days, you know, and especially all the pictures that stuck with us.
6: Yeah, it'll be a bit emotional to read through it, won't it?
11: It will, and the photographs, I suppose will bring back memories, and one of the photographs that's in the book is myself, um, Valerie Connell and Jill and Max Sweeney outside the convention centre the day t Taoiseach was uh, sworn in with the cork flag.
6: So, mm-hmm. I remember you going, going up to, to that. Run,
11: you know? Memories, yeah. yeah.
6: Yeah. Lifelong, I mean, you were you were all colleagues and friends anyway in in, in Debenhams yeah. for many years, but I think lifelong bonds were formed in the course of that year.
11: Oh, 100%. I mean, there would have been people on the pickets that I would have known and worked with and passed by every day in the shop, obviously. But I mean, the bond that we ended up with, we, I think it's 62 we had on pickets in the end. And you knew everyone's history by the time it was over because you were, you had nothing else to do for six or seven hours a day but talk to people, do you know, you got to know people and mm-hmm. it, 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 it was hard but it was actually very rewarding in other ways, you know, and you do miss it, uh, it's hard to say but we do miss it, We were just, myself and Val and Jill were talking about it yesterday and you do miss the highs and lows, even the shopping yeah. that we were doing online in the cars during the night, you know.
6: <laughs> yeah, I've... I... Forgotten her name, but there was one of your one of your um, members down there had a baby in the course of all this. How are they doing?
11: Claire, baby Grace.
6: Yeah, how are they doing?
11: She's doing good. She's doing good. Yeah, she is doing good. She's coming this morning there now. So
6: brilliant! It's I Christmas think here. Grace Grace won't be far short of being a year old by Christmas, will she?
11: She's literally one. I think it's the fourteenth, if I'm right. Crikey! Fourteenth of November, as far as I remember.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I we'll could be wrong there. The book. I can't wait to get a look at it myself. Tales from the Debenham's. Picket line. It's mm-hmm. being launched today uh, in tool yeah. by Sean O'Gallbean and Dara O'Kinnadja, and I wish you both. Carol, you're in it, and your story is quoted. And Madeline, we've talked many, many times, and good to speak with you again. Uh, congratulations on, on on the success you've had so far, and c- keep me posted on 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 the fund because some people might think that this is all over, but it's not. No, no, sure.
11: by no means, Definitely. not at all, and it's okay. No.
6: All right, okay. We'll talk oh. to you both. Talk to you both again sometime soon. And good luck with the book. That's Caroline Bridgman, uh, who worked in Debenham's in Mahan Point, and Madeline Whelan, uh, who was in Patrick Street. And the book out today called Tales from the Debenham's
3: Picket Line.
12: Can we just talk?
3: The opinion line on Corks 96 FM with McCarthy Insurance Group.
4: Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Hi. Morning. Oh my gosh. Oh
3: uh, What's I'm wrong, shaking. Joanne? What's wrong? She's a bit shaky. Shaking. Nervous. And I said, I, I tried to roll the cigarettes and I'm shaking so
2: much.
3: And how many times has pop singer Madonna been married?
2: Uh, Sean
4: Penn and
3: uh, the other lads, Two. She was married to Sean Penn and got. Ritchie, yeah. Which means she was married twice and you've just won two thousand. Oh, my God, you can roll a five with a 50 or a 0. No, that is absolutely <laughs> incredible. <laughs> Another winner. There you go, go, go. The two grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. With
4: phones. Your Irish SIM-free specialist for 12 years. Any SIM, any network, any country. Phones.ie.
3: Casey and Ross in the morning.
4: On Cork's 96 FM.
3: Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with Pete. E. J. Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Courts 96 FM. Yeah, talking earlier
6: with uh, Kelly Gagan from Sleepy Stars about, you know, sleep deprived moms and how best they can deal with the problems of sleep deprivation. And we, we, we touched on the, the point of baby coming into your bed, um, which, you know, it's lovely and comfortable for baby when they're very, very small, once you're careful and they don't get hurt and all that. But then there comes a point where they you need to get them out of the bed and to go back to their own bed. And sometimes they don't want to go back to their own bed. And Kelly's attitude is, well, if that's the case, then you need to work harder to make sure they do get out of the bed because it's not good for either of you. Like, really, it isn't. Um, And baby knows that mommy will take me in. But... Then we got this, on a WhatsApp voice note.
5: You sleep with your partner every night. Why... Why... Why can't a three-year-old sleep in with their parents for the comfort? I know I sleep better when my partner's in next to me.
6: All right, try that one again.
5: You sleep with your partner every night. Why... Why Why can't a three-year-old sleep, with, sleep in with their parents for the comfort? I know I sleep better when my partner's in next to me.
6: Well, no one's saying I think that they can't. I think Kelly's analysis of it was you'll have an awful problem getting out of the bed. Like, three is fine. But what when they're six? You know, you... Anyone have any thoughts on that? Would you regularly allow a three-year-old into your bed? Or anyone know how best to get them back out of your bed when they've developed a habit of being in your bed? Or should they ever develop a habit of being in your bed? Always told not to bring newborns in because you can, you can roll over on top of them. Like. But would you have a toddler in your bed? Willingly, I mean. We all know the story of them crawling in at 5 o'clock in the morning and if you're going to get another hour of sleep, you just need to leave them there. That's fine. That, that, that's a different matter. But this caller seems to think that it's okay if they're comfortable you know, sometimes you'll do anything for a night's sleep so so you'll just let them in and and let them go to sleep But, but, but then like that becomes a habit and how do you break that habit without carnage your thoughts would be very welcome.
5: You sleep with your partner every night, why 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 can't a three-year-old sleep, with, sleep in with their parents for the comfort? I know I sleep better when my partner's in next to me.
6: With the baby in between you? Okay. Your thoughts, 1850 We uh, heard so much earlier this week about new buses. We're going to get buses to bait the band, lads. All sorts of new buses and bus routes. Busconnects.ie, they're doing a couple of consultations. They've done one, they're doing another one. And we were talking to the National... Roads Authority about it earlier in the week. However, it would appear that the money isn't there anyway. There are insufficient funds to progress a significant amount of projects in the National Development Plan, according to a transport chief. This was before the Oireachtas Transport Committee on Wednesday. Fianna Fáil TD, James O'Connor joins me. James, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, PJ. Uh, James, the th- we have all these great plans, but doesn't seem we have the money to do it. Um, yes,
1: you know, I think that uh, there is significant constraints on transport projects around the country at the moment, and something that we have to be very careful on over the course of the next 10 years is ensuring that there isn't overruns uh, in cost projects that are ongoing at the moment. Um, one of the things that we looked at in the Transport Committee, uh, I'm the only TD in Cork, and Senator Jerry Butler is the only Cork senator, uh, that are on that transport committee uh, for for our county and city. Um, and both of us had the opportunity to put questions to uh, both Transport Infrastructure Ireland, uh, who were involved in, in major procurement operations around new transport projects uh, and also road projects as well, uh, which is an area that I've been doing a very significant body of work on in in the Cork region. Uh, and also we had Anne Graham, who is the CEO of the, Nas- of the National Transport Authority. Um, so basically, uh, you know, both public transport investment in in, in new road infrastructure, uh, which in Cork East, where I'm from, is a a major concern, Mm. uh, and also in the CMAT strategy, which is a huge project. It involves both the city all of the major metropolitan towns uh, within the immediate catchment area, PJ, of Cork. You know, you're talking about places like Middleton, Cove, from mm-hmm. uh, Mayo, mm-hmm. and how they feed into the city. Uh, and, you know... I
6: know you yourself,
1: James, Europe you hit the stuff.
6: headlines about the National Development Plan when you, you threatened to walk away from the party over certain things not being included. And then you had a conversation with senior members of the party and you, you came back on board and all of that. But here's the thing. The National Development Plan, by the looks of this... Doesn't look to be worth the paper it's written on if there's no money there. Well, I have to put in
1: a little uh, addition to what your your previous um, previous point was there, PJ. It wasn't just the party, particularly with Eamon Ryan. Uh, you know, many of my issues really are focused with the Green Party's investment strategy. What they're seeking to do now, uh, which is it, it does make sense, and I'm of course in favour of it, is they want a two to one ratio in terms of expenditure uh, in public transport projects. Uh, versus investment in new road infrastructure. But what I do want to see happen, PJ, is very, very important is that in places like Cork, where we have a lot of projects that have been put on the back burner for many years, and it's, it's, it, this would be more so to do with the county rather than the city, you know, there's many different road schemes. Like yesterday, for example, got a chance to cross examine uh, Peter Walsh, CEO of TII, about the N73 roads between Mallow and Mitchellstown. Mm. You know, there's, there's small projects that require less than 20 million euros of funding versus mammoth projects like the Metro project in Dublin, which is $10 billion. Uh, So, you know, we need a differentiating mechanism there that we're ensuring that those projects get the same yeah. level of focus that will probably have uh, just as sufficient of outcomes in terms of getting people to work uh, to and from their place yeah. of work safely. Like, like and like the, 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 the
6: big same. issues for you, if I remember correctly, were the the Castle Martyr and Killa bypasses and the Fota Road into Cove. They were they were deal breakers for you. Then, then you met uh, Tishuk and the Minister of Transport and and, uh, and 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 you. Are you confident now they'll be done? And moreover, because there seems to be no money there. So basically
1: what happened was, of course, we, we, we were all aware from following the media that there was obviously a very serious argument that I would have had mm-hmm. uh, with the Department of Transport uh, and with my own party colleagues as well. I just want to say from the outset, I have to say it, I'm, I'm very grateful that, you know, government did meet me. They did, they did sit down with me to discuss these concerns. Mm-hmm. It was a very serious meeting. Uh, I called in- it the cop on committee, but maybe I was a bit unfair. Yes, well, well, I'll tell you the the outcome of it was 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 good anyway because uh, I've I've gotten the commitments I needs in, in relation to uh, I suppose increased investment in road infrastructure in East Cork. So we sat down in the Taoiseach's office with Neil right. Martin, uh, with the Minister for Public Expenditure, Michael McGrath, and I'm grateful to my two but Jim, colleagues. But James, those those commitments those those commitments
6: don't seem to gel with what we're hearing that the money isn't there.
1: Well, I suppose, and the ones that I've been working on and directly involved in, and would have great familiarity with, uh, what we're going to see in about five weeks' time is Transport Infrastructure Ireland are going to be sitting down and agreeing on their annual budget for 2022. At the moment, PJ, I think it'd be wrong for us not to mention it. Although I do have small issues with it in relation to smaller road projects at the moment, our allocation in Cork is absolutely enormous. There's 85 million euros, multiple of the times of many counties in the country that's being spent on an annual basis on new road projects. This isn't uh, in relation to maintenance. This is about upgrade schemes. It's about removing dangerous black spots in terms of accidents. Uh, investment in a new road infrastructure the likes of Dunkettle, kettle the likes of McCroom as well uh, but also what I'm hoping to we'll get my clarification and I know in a number of weeks time if the meeting uh, the outcomes of the meeting are, are being honoured and I'm going to be watching it very closely uh, is around the annual budget and giving the first tranche of funding to go through the concept and feasibility stage of Castle March or getting that out of the way yeah. and getting it into the statutory process will eventually get the road built so it's an exciting enough time down in East Cork and particularly in the photo Road as well uh, we're seeing Cork County Council continue to progress the works yeah. that they're doing to upgrade access on and off of the Island and Cove a huge issue well, what about the Cork Limerick Road
6: a lot of people are waiting for news on that as well James
1: there is, and I particularly say to my colleague, Padraig O'Sullivan, he's doing a lot of work with, with many communities in and around Whitechurch. You know, there's a lot of concern about the route selection options there uh, in terms of the different routes and what they will yeah. mean. Uh, but it is a very, very important. Like there's topic.
6: residents there and businesses and farmers making huge decisions for their futures and, and they can't because they don't know what the heck is happening
1: exactly from a planning point of view for people living in Cork North Central and pieces of Cork East that are affected by this new road infrastructure obviously in the term, terms of building new houses expanding their business premises on uh, their farms yeah, uh, you
6: know it has like, an enormous impact and divide they, they and need something to go on they need they need something to go on to, to work with those plans not to mind the people around the city now I know you're down in East Cork but your colleague Deputy O'Sullivan is in North Central the, the North Ring Road I mean if we're another ten years waiting for that uh, you know with well, the
1: clarification anyway PJ it's very very important on 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 the Carclimic motorway. Getting clarification for all of those residents is going to be very, very important. And we are working hard to see that being delivered. And it's a message we're making very clearly, as Cork TDs is to Eamon Ryan, that we do need this investment. Like the biggest thing, I think, that will come out of that road being built is, got, is
6: going to be, the, I suppose, the huge imp- increase. Oh, in, in oh sure. Safety. I think everybody knows we need it, but when are we going very to get it, James? When are we going to get it? Everybody knows we need I, it. The dogs, the street know we need it, but when are we going to get it? As soon as the Department of Transport can put in place a comprehensive plan,
1: and that's something that us as Fianna Fáil TDs are working very closely. But what with about you say? What, Transport does Transport does
6: what does that just,
7: mean? What does that
1: actually mean? It means in the decision-making process, PJ, and to be very fair here now to, to everybody, because everybody in Cork is working exceptionally hard and at the Chamber of Commerce, all, sure. the, all the different organisations. I'm, I'm level, sure, James, well. we've
6: been on we've been about this road for a year. I mean, I was your age when we were talking about yeah. the need for a motorway from Cork to to, to Limerick. I, I appreciate that.
1: In there those people have been waiting for 40 years to see a, a road being built in Castle Martyr and Killa, and I know firsthand... Uh, how difficult it is dealing with trying to get projects prioritised, getting them funded, uh, and we have the challenge of, of, of the two-to-one ratio I was talking about earlier yeah, on, yeah, yeah. between public transport and private road infrastructure, uh, our public road infrastructure, uh, which of course is a key priority for and Ryan. So, we are going to be continuing to push for that project to be expedited to be built, and it's the one point I want to make. And I think this is another very powerful point: the connection between Cork Airport and Shannon Airport, by that road being built, the transatlantic connection for Cork yeah. is absolutely massive, and that's a point. Well, but continuing. you're
6: preaching to the choir, there, James. Everybody knows it's just a question of we're look, we're reading about this thing with twenty years and nothing's been done. People along the route don't know what's happening. The farmers, the business owners, nobody knows what's happening. All we keep getting told, and this isn't personal, by the way, all we keep getting told by public, oh, we're working hard, we're working hard. Working hard on what? Yes, and getting those questions answered, PJ,
1: and I'm conscious of doing that, the Transport Committee will be bringing TII before us specifically on this issue quite soon. Uh, to be fair, even to, to refer to my colleagues in Limerick, you know, there's a significant number of TDs and senators that are actually in, based in Munster uh, that really want to see this project going ahead in some type of current format that it's in, not seeing any re- redraws or, 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 or redesigns of the road infrastructure that's been proposed. You
6: know the other thing too, the little bypass yeah, that people and use and in, in Charleville,
1: process. that won't last much longer, but it'll follow. Way, like, yeah, you know? it's you know it is it is lethal, and even look for me. People living in places like Middleton are, are, are not, I suppose, farther east in Middleton, Killa Castle, you Yall. You know, yeah. all that region. They're going well, up to Mitchell's into when, when or would or
6: when would places. be a good time to yeah, come back yeah, to sure. you to see can we get any more certainty? definitely, uh, I, I will
1: definitely be able to give you a certainty on that in terms of the in terms of getting better answers to those questions when we get TII before the committee. I'd hope that we'll be able to do that probably before uh, before the end of January, because the committees generally have about 8 to 10 weeks of a workload okay. in front of them, and we are intending to bring them in. So I'd be delighted to do that, PJ, and okay. we'll have a discussion from Leinster House on that particular topic today. Uh, okay. I we're going to to HSE meeting now in a few minutes in get I'll let you
6: get to That's that I let you get to that because I know you're 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 busy and Friday is a busy day in the constituency for local TDs thanks very much uh, that is uh, East Corkfield of all TD uh, James O'Connor so we'll we'll make a date make a date we find we might we, we, we actually get news in the spring of what's happening with the Cork to Limerick motorway is is that the big story of the day I'll tell you how bad transport is in Ireland I got the 8 o'clock express to Dublin two Thursdays ago. It was a double-decker. It took hours. There was no toilet, no rest stops. That's because of an express. I don't even eat or drink before going to Dublin because I have so much experience of coaches with broken toilets. But imagine that. A double-decker! All the way to Dublin. Ah, well, you get a nice view of the countryside, I suppose, if nothing else. 1850-715-996. Uh, on sleeping in the bed, remember this.
5: You sleep with your partner every night. Why? Why Why can't a three-year-old sleep, with, sleep in with their parents for the comfort? I know I sleep better when my partner's in next to me.
6: Uh, Anne says don't. Don't let it start or don't let it continue. I- if they're ill, it's different. Get them one or two nice teddy bears. That worked for me. And maybe have the bed... Extra comfy, so they don't want to get out of it and get into yours in the first place. And what's up? Our 11-year-old still comes in. Uh, oh, all three have always slept in our bed. God, that's one big bed you have. An 11-year-old still coming into the bed. Come here, you leave it a few years longer. they will be bringing a girlfriend or boyfriend in with them. Be careful now. Heading down a dangerous road there. <laughs> Kevin says, here's how you deal with it. Get into your own bed there and repeat until it sinks in. You're the parent, not the child. Get into your own bed, get into your own bed now. Get in, get in! Can
12: we just talk?
3: The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With
4: McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. See MIG.ie.
3: Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your
4: guide to nightlife on Leaside.
3: Hi, it's Michael with an update on Cork's entertainment. Graffiti's Activate Youth Theatre presents Tuesdays Are Just as Bad. It's a play by Keth and Leighy coming up as an on demand video stream from the Everyman Theatre. It's Streams from Monday, November 15th to Sunday the 28th with tickets on sale now from the venue's website. Access all areas. There's still some tickets left to catch Ross Brown's second night at Cork Opera House. The rescheduled shows are taking place on November the 19th and 20th with tickets still available from CorkOperaHouse.ie. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access all areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or a live stream coming up by emailing us at AAA at 96FM.ie Access all areas your guide to nightlife on the side on
4: Corks 96 FM life is full of awesome what ifs
8: and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides
0: health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs learn more at uh1.com many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out
12: We just
3: talk. The opinion line with PJ Coogan.
4: Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396
3: 96, 96 On Courts 96 FM. We have someone in touch to say there's been rubbish
6: thrown around every morning in Orchard Court in Blackpool. They sent us pictures which are up on. Our Twitter. Also, we got a statement from the HSE on COVID testing and what appears to be a shortage thereof in Cork at the moment. We'll talk about that in a little while. But I want to get to Jenny. Jenny Keane, who is a holistic sex educator. Uh, and Jenny, I think you you ran into trouble with the Instagram people recently because of your content, but they've now decided... That because it's educational, they, they've reopened access to your site. Good morning.
13: Good morning. Hi. How are you?
6: Good. Yeah, good.
13: that's correct.
6: <laughs> I was um, reading through it this morning and thinking, there's an awful lot, there's an awful lot worse out there like that they could be looking at. There's not a whole pile <laughs> wrong with what you're doing. <laughs>
13: No, no. I mean, the thing is, though, is just like it's algorithms and it's it's guidelines and it's generally just like, you know, everyone is whitewashed with the same thing. So if you have any kind of content relating to sex it's not record they have no way actually to distinguish between adult content that is for well-being and education versus adult content that is for something else right mm. so you just receive these kind of notifications but you know we're very lucky to be living in ireland because obviously with the you know headquarters in uh, of facebook and instagram in ireland there are so many people that follow me who also work um, for the company so they were able to we got um, a little bit of a, I suppose, a campaign or something going mm. <laughs> on Instagram last week and uh, they were able to bring it to their teams and it was able to, we were able to prove that my account is educational Good. and uh, yeah, everything was sorted. So.
6: <laughs> a, a sex education based account and a lot in it on things like consent, of course, but on old narratives or scripts that we need to drop. And I suppose unconsciously, I remember reading this one particular post I read, uh, Sexual Scripts to Let Go of. And I read down through them and I thought, you know what? They are sort of things that are ingrained in us.
13: Oh, yeah, absolutely, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, I know the post that you're referring to. And I always say this, like, when it comes to do you know the problem with sex education is that, you know, when we were younger if we received it at all it it generally it generally was risk factor right um so it's all about the dangers of getting pregnant or the dangers of getting an sti and very much risk factor fear-based and preventative and really the idea that sex and pleasure going together just wasn't there at all and when sex education is lacking where do most people turn for information, ideas and creati- creativity, right? Mm-hmm. Most of the time it's secretive or else it's porn, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with porn, nothing wrong with watching it, but actually one of the avenues that people go down to get information, to get ideas, um, <clears throat> is porn. And that, and that is normal, mm. right? Because people are seeking education.
6: There are a lot of activists so- I've spoken to, Jenny, who, what you've just said, they would be shocked at that there's nothing wrong with porn and nothing wrong with watching it
13: well, it depends, right, on what you're watching and how you're watching it, right? So the thing to know is when it comes to porn is, is that we are bombarded with images of what sex really should look like, sound like, feel like, right, and when a lot of those images in revolve around very easy, very explosive orgasms, it's very easy for sex and orgasms to inspire more pressure than pleasure when it comes to um, engaging in sex. And the thing to know about porn is that porn is actually not real life. Porn is designed, it has a purpose, It's designed for quick pleasure. It's all about exaggerated images, the right angles, the drama, and it's purposely cinematic because it wants to bring you to arousal and then climax quickly. And this is just not real world sex, right? And so I always kind of describe it like that. If you are aware that you are watching porn and it's the same as watching an action movie or like Fast and Furious, I always describe it like this, right? Right. Like we know that when we drive the car, we're not going to be passing people, speeding us by with guns, hanging out the window and passing passing five or six different explosions along the way to work, right? Yeah. We know we're going to get in the car and we're going to stop at the traffic lights and there's going to be pedestrians that we have to look out for. Yeah. And we're more than likely not going to be shot at. And it's understanding this, right? That's a super um, analogy,
6: actually. That is a great analogy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
13: Yeah. And so it's under So this is where education is really important, right? Because education will ap- gives your sex and your sex life, your sexuality and what you're going through context. Right. So, for example, a lot of people will come to me. Uh, women will come to me and say that they have an, a difficulty orgasming. They don't know if they've ever orgasmed. Um, and they don't know what it is supposed to feel like or that they fake orgasms. And Mm. the thing is that when you're looking at something like porn or even just images like porn i mean it's all i mean in on tv right you're watching tv shows you're watching movies right it is all quick pleasure and so in the real world orgasms happen at the natural speed of life right and if you want to know what that looks like it's it looks like going to spend some time in nature without a phone and watching how long it takes for life to happen right for a flower to bloom for lightning to strike right so it's all of these different speeds because this is life in real motion. Yeah. You do
6: a lot on life. consent as well, Jenny, mm-hmm. and that, of course, is a very live conversation. Um, you, you even did a webinar, I think, on consent, didn't you?
13: Yes, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. How yeah, we, consent, like, is-
6: consent is a whole new concept, and I mean, what I mean by that is the point of consent and the when you when you need to know do you have consent, and you don't always have consent when you think you have consent. It's a whole big discussion. You could spend a whole day on it.
13: Yeah, oh um, absolutely. Yeah. I spoke of this recently as well, you know that um you know even in sex positive spaces there's very much a um an a lack of understanding about how to create a, a a language basically around consent, right? Because everyone is talking about consent, but very few people actually know what that looks like in practice, right? But yeah. so there is this huge amount of confusion and that's really evident from I, I suppose the narrative that plays out Um, all of the time right because the language around consent is very new it is incredibly nuanced and um it's it's you know people are like you know does it you know they say yes means yes and no means no right and so i i always taught i spoke to kids a couple of years ago about this and a bunch of um boys right in the classroom and i said to them you know what have they heard about consent where have they heard about it what do they know about it and um for example and and this for example and one of the things is that if you ask children um you if you ask children okay if if this person is drunk and they say that they want to have sex does that mean yes or no and they'll say oh no if a person is drunk uh, that means no they don't know what they, they want to yeah. give a proper they yeah. they can't give a proper they can't give a full kind of full bodied yes. And they know this because people have taught this to them. But in if you look at what they're what the information they're being given on uh, on TV shows, in movies, yeah. on um, even in real life, right? People have drunk sex in real life. So then where is the line right between understanding? So it becomes a yeah. very, very confusing conversation. And all of and that
6: stuff, it, I I'm gonna have to wrap it there, Jenny, because yeah, you yeah. can spend another moment. <laughs> Morning. All of that stuff and access to all your workshops are on Hello Jenny Keen on Instagram. Which are all back. it's all back now after your little falling out with them, which which is great for you. It's all back. Hello Jenny Keen. It's a. I, I have to say I spent a while browsing it last night and this morning and it's great. It really is a very good and enlightening uh, Insta account. All right, thanks for that, Jenny. I just have so much to get through. It being Friday, but come here. Must remind you: every year in Cork, thousands of you help out with the Christmas jumper appeal for the Cork Simon, and we want you to do it again. Asking you to host your Christmas jumper day wherever you feel safest in doing it. Do it in the office. Do it at home. Do it online. Do a big Zoom with loads of friends and colleagues. Uh, do it the family overseas. And you can get a fundraising pack to help you along the way at CorkSimon.ie. And over the next few weeks, seven weeks, today is Christmas Eve. You can join Cork's 96.00 AM to help us to fight homelessness in Cork. 1850 715 996. Do you know what? It's great to have an old laugh. We always try and have a laugh on a Friday or ease off the end of the week and stuff. And they say that laughter is the best medicine. Laura O'Connell, you believe that. Good morning to you.
14: For sure, PJ. Good morning. How are you?
6: Good. This is business coach and career coach, Laura O'Connell. Again, going through your Insta this morning, I love the wisdom. I love the wisdom. (laughs) If the broom (laughs) fits, write it. That's one of my favourite ones. If the broom fits, (laughs) write (laughs) it.
14: And it's not one broom fits all either. So, yeah, yeah, it's important to have a laugh and it's important to, you know, go out and find that bit of humour. You know, we're here trying to combat and prevent a spread of a virus, but actually we need to start spreading more happiness, more joy share and have good laughter together, um, you know, and just laugh a lot of things off. Mm. The benefits of it are amazing.
6: It's been very hard to do that over the last 18 months. You, you, you kind of yeah. have to make time. Just, I was just chatting with, with um, Ross Brown this morning about even watching television now. is a bit workish. You have to find stuff that you watch. Purely, it's nothing to do at work. You have to get a laugh it has it has good physical benefits for us
14: yeah yeah and that here is kind of comparing the difference between languishing and flourishing and flourishing is all about that's positive psychology it's the science of human flourishing and optimal functioning and it's more important than ever that we switch off and we try to lighten up it has huge benefits as well for your immunity Um, and especially for men actually the studies are there women laugh more than men and you know the studies are there that children can laugh up to 400 times a day But as adults, we come in at a measly 15 times a day. Mm. So as you said, during these times, it is more challenging. It is more difficult. But it's a mindset shift. It's a perspective that if we could try to tune in and if we can share it. So like one of the best attributes
6: to anyone is they don't take themselves too seriously. Would you agree
14: with me? Oh, I'm constantly laughing at myself. And I'm even finding actually like with Rob, with what Ross said, between the TV and social media, I've switched off everything. I find myself going for lightheartedness, humour, looking for the fun, looking for the pranks, and it really does fill my soul that bit better. It's grim, it's gloomy out there. Our weather has changed. There's, we're fear. We're all in fear at the moment. Uncertain times. And it's more important than ever that we have to remember our good times, reminisce. So, PJ, think back to when did you last have a really good belly laugh?
6: I'll tell you now, there's a show I am watching at the moment. Uh, there's 10 series of it. It was, It's so stupid it shouldn't exist. But Benny Dorm, <laughs> it's on Netflix. It's so stupid right. it shouldn't exist. But I woke the whole house last Friday night laughing at Benny Dorm.
14: Love it, and try now and tune into were you were your shoulders shaking? Was your oh, you know, yeah. Did you have a pain in your oh, belly? Oh, I couldn't draw a breath. <laughs> Love it, tears down your face. Yeah. I mean, that's an emotional release. Yes, and I don't know. Did you feel your shoulders that bit detensed? You know, a good workout in your belly area, which I know I could do with more of. Um, you know, and it's just that physical and emotional. Release, so
6: <laughs> and they got what's wrong <laughs> with Julia you, you Gubshay's coming in. <laughs> That's what they got, and they laughed even more. Then you know, yeah.
14: And you're sharing that laughter then amongst your household. That's so right. look at the reaction. Well, it was two in the morning,
6: and- so it wasn't a good idea. Anything we could do over the weekend to help get a good laugh, Laura? Do
14: you know what? I think it's important to, and I'm going to try to, you know, maybe set a challenge here for amongst all your listeners pick up the phone, don't just text, but pick up a phone and make a call to somebody who always cheers you up or someone that you can always have a good laugh with. Reminisce over it, bring that laughter back up and just laugh over that great time that you had together or a really good joke or something unfortunate, share it and spread it. And now you have two you know, releasing and lifting and, and uplifting more so than just one. And that is as simple as it can be. So okay. let's spread more happiness and joy and have a really good laugh together.
6: All right, Laura, lovely talking to you. And uh, Laura's Instagram is lauraoconnell.loc. What do you do for a laugh? How do you to just make yourself laugh until you can't breathe?
3: Tell me. Tell me what does that for you. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks 96 FM. With McCarthy
4: Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie.
3: The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk?
4: Call 1850-715-996.
3: Text or WhatsApp 83 396
4: Email opinion at 96 fnie
3: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan
4: on Cork's 96FM.
6: Yeah, that statement we got from HSE about COVID testing is lengthy and there's quite a bit in it. So I'll go through it in a few minutes time. I like the way we finished our conversation there with Laura. I wanted to, to know, like, she said, you need to laugh at the weekend. Forget everything that's going on. Forget the COVID. Forget the winter forget if you can the soaring cost of living and find something to make you laugh so between now and midday i want you to tell me what makes you laugh what makes you laugh what makes you just crease up unable to breathe tell me what it is 083 396 96 96 you might help some listener to brighten up their weekend with a good laugh okay um, we had a few more comments in too about the three-year-old still in the bed. Uh, most people say, no, no, you're headed down the road of disaster there because there'll be three and then four and then five and you'll never get him out. Or is it the most natural thing in the world to have a child in the bed? Again, your thoughts at 083, 396, 96, 96, Here's an idea to pass the time in Cork over the coming months, and certainly you'd get a look at the city from a whole new angle that you'd never seen it before. What about paddle boarding? up and down the River Lee, Standing up on a paddleboard and pushing yourself along from the river, looking up. And it's Yulia Lipitov who is bringing it to Cork. Paddleboarding Cork is her company. Yulia, good morning to you.
15: Hello, hello. Happy Friday.
6: And to you. It's a it's a cool idea. Now, because in the wintertime the water is freezing, it could be an extremely cool idea. But it looks like such a, a simple pleasure. Is it easy to do?
15: It actually is really easy for all ages, for all fitness levels. It's really amazing.
6: So how do you do it? Do you have to learn to balance on the thing first or does it balance for you?
15: yeah there are a few simple movements that you have to learn before going into the water but obviously it will all come with a practice but balance would be one of the things that you would uh, learn and as long as you stay just calm and keep your balance you'll you'll really enjoy this experience
6: when did you start this business
15: Uh, i was a bit more than a year ago um I've I've done paddle boarding during my travels and then I thought, wow, that would be cool to do in Cork as well. And yeah, that's how it all started. Mm.
6: So you, you rent out the boards and all that. You do, you do the whole,
15: the whole lot. Um, so I just invested in a few boards at the beginning and, um, it, it kind of started small and it is still small. So the idea was that I'll buy a few boards and i will just rent them out to locals. Yeah. And, um, it, it then just developed in
6: Is hmm? a good has there been a good reaction to it? Is it popular?
15: Um, it kind of is. And um, you know, I was quite passionate myself about it. So Yeah. Um yeah, I started uh, it was it all started with an Instagram page and that's where I would be looking for people who'd want to do that. And yeah, it kind of started picking up more, uh, especially my, in the warmer season. Yeah, and it, it got quite excited, exciting for me as well.
6: Yeah, it, it it looks like a great way to see. I mean, to see the city. Now you're in Cork. What? A couple of years, is it? Yeah, yeah. it is. Like, I, I'm in Cork all my life, and I'm thinking, what a fantastic <laughs> way to see the city.
15: Yeah, actually, you know, I never even thought of this that way. But then, when I started promoting more that you can do it in the River Lee and see the city. I could see how much interest people had about it and I honestly for me it was kind of well yeah you can do it nothing you know nothing difficult but then I saw so much interest and I thought okay people are really interested mm-hmm. so let's let's help them out you know let's show them what it is like and that's how I I um, created a little guide on how to enter in the water which way to go and uh, yeah um I can. I'm happy to share that guide with anyone who is asking for it brilliant, as well.
6: Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, you, you where, where are you from originally? I, I I'm not. Tra- tra- where, where are you from, Julia? Originally?
15: <laughs> yeah, that's actually a very funny part of it. Um, originally from Transnistria. Um, it kind of became quite popular lately with the football team that won a few games, um, okay. the Sheriff team. Okay, so I'm not yeah. sure if you've ever heard of it. Where, yeah, where so, exactly
6: is that, Julia?
15: So Transnistria is um, between Moldova and Ukraine. It's not officially recognized, so it wouldn't be a very famous country. Right. But uh, the, the closest uh, reference would be Moldova, and uh, gotcha. that would be probably the official place where I'm from, um, and the unofficial would be Transnistria. Cool.
6: And, and how long have you been here? How did you come to be in Cork?
15: Um, yeah, it was quite a big adventure for me. I just decided to... To, to to go abroad after my university and yeah. um, Ireland was one of the options for me because um, I had a, I had a, an experience of working at a mushroom farm during summer one year. Okay. So then I thought, okay, let's try Ireland uh, another time. And yeah, that's how I ended up in Dublin first and then I got a job in Cork yeah. and it's been already an adventure of four years now.
6: Brilliant, brilliant. So if people want to find out more about the paddle boarding, where can they look?
15: They can find me on the Instagram page. That's uh, puddleboarding underscore cork.
6: Okay.
15: Um, the same on Facebook. And um, on Facebook, there's my phone number or they can just send me a message and I'm always happy to answer any questions.
6: Brilliant. All right. Listen, good speaking with you, Yulia. I, I might wait until the weather warms up a little bit, but I definitely will. I, I will. No, 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 I will. Promise. I will get a paddleboard. I will. I will. I will. When I will. Get a paddleboard and, and go up and down the, the river. When it's a bit warmer. But I will. Thanks, Julia. Uh, PJ says, you'll be on there with a good laugh. Seeing you going to work under Patrick's bridge on a paddleboard. Practice what you preach. Give us all a laugh. I will, Eugene. I'm just not doing it. I mean, it's November. Forget it, lad. You know, springtime and I know what he's doing already Fergal is inside in the back in his little production hutch now and he is writing a date into his diary at which he will be back into onto Yulia to set me up with a flippin' paddleboard but I will I promise I promise paddleboarding underscore cork on Instagram if you want to find out more
3: I will, I promise Can we just talk the Opinion Line on Corks 96FM. With
6: McCarthy Insurance
4: Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. C-M-I-G dot Can we just talk?
3: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
4: Text or WhatsApp now. Oe 396
3: 96, 96 On Corks 96FM. Yeah, do you
6: remember uh, the first time? I-, I have a bit of good news. I think this is really, really good news. And it's the context of COVID. And we're surrounded by a bit more bad news than we'd like with COVID at the moment. But there's also some very good news out there this morning. Do you remember the first time I ever spoke on the opinion line with the great Dr. John Campbell? It was earlier this year. And the first time we spoke with John, it was to do with word from Pfizer from the U.S., that they were working on an antiviral. They were working on a tablet, a pill, that would be taken by people who tested positive for COVID-19. And pretty much the instant you you took it, or the instant you were a confirmed case of COVID-19, you would start to take this this pill that would ideally stop you getting sick. And certainly, certainly stop you ending up anywhere near a hospital bed. An antiviral, very strong antiviral. The great news coming from Pfizer, now admittedly it's a publicity release, it's a press release, so it's written with them and with their, their own spin on it, but the great news from Pfizer is that this antiviral pill of, their, of theirs, they've stopped the trial. And they've stopped the trial because the evidence is that this pill is brilliant that in 89% of tested, uh, test situations, it worked. It stopped people getting sick. Or getting any sicker. Uh, Now, look, it's a publicity announcement, it's a press release. But the news is very good. And I see during the week where Britain uh, also licensed, and I think it'll be on the NHS, an antiviral pill for COVID-19. That is great news. I mean, we, we are all worried at the moment about where we might be going with huge case numbers and increasing hospital numbers and everybody nervous. But this news coming from Pfizer is really excited, really exciting. And funny, when I did talk to John Campbell, I almost wrote the interview out and listened to it back over the weekend. But when I did talk to John, he said it would probably be sometime towards the end of the year that we'd hear where it was going to go. So that's great news coming from, from Pfizer today. 1850 Television, it's going to take us through the cold winter nights until the lovely spring evenings come back. Do you want to know, by the way, how long it'll be before the lovely spring evenings come back? Because sick individual that I am, I actually do know the lovely spring evenings will be back in... 116 days, and the clocks go forward for the really long evenings in 142 days. That's just a by the by. But to take us there, we will rely so much on television uh, regular television, Sky, and Now, and ITV, and UTV, and BBC, and whatever. They, they all, but Netflix is the one. Amazon has a total huge pile of stuff coming up. Disney but Netflix has a lot coming up. Uh, Succession at the moment of course is the big one on now so I've been catching up with Jen Gannon uh, who's a TV reviewer for the Irish Times and we've been having a chat about what might be uh, ahead of us television wise over the months to come. So Jen as you know we've got a big promotion running all this week in association with the third series of Succession the only thing I can think about the There's not a single likeable character in that Mm. whole cast. They're horrible people. Why are we so fascinated by horrible people?
12: I think we like to watch. um, It digs into the psychopathy of each character individually. And I like that none of them have any redeeming characteristics whatsoever. I think. It's enjoyable to watch them squirm and kind of watch each one of them get in placed under the microscope. And it's so different for us to have a show where it's not as simplistic as this person is the hero and you're following the hero narrative. No one is really the hero and your allegiances, because the writing is so in-depth and so clever, your allegiances change over the course of an episode, not even over yeah. the course of the series. You can start out thinking, I support Kendall, I agree with what he's saying. And then by the end of it, you're like, Kendall's the worst person that's ever lived. They're all monsters. And I think we recognise ourselves, like the worst side of ourselves in some of that behaviour as well. And it also lets us live vicariously through them. They say a lot of things that we couldn't say to each other, maybe not to, you know, our bosses or our siblings or our partners, um, and they exhibit that behaviour for us. So it's kind of almost like a release in a way. It's like a mental escapism for us in some way.
6: What you said about, you know, just as you think you like them, then they spoil it all. That's very Mm. clever script writing because I'm sure the script writers realise that such and such a character is becoming likeable. We have to stop that.
12: Exactly. Yeah, and I think from the end of the cliffhanger of season two where you saw the groundswell of support for Kendall um, and the kind of when he's doing that manoeuvre on his own father, but there's also layers there because, I mean, the characters are so well-drawn that they're not two-dimensional. You could think, you know, Brian Cox could end up like just a, 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 a sentient, sweary cardigan, but he's not. There's <laughs> layers to that character. So um, they play on that. They play on our expect on the audience expectations. So you, you really don't know where to turn. You're, you're always thinking, yeah, they did that one good thing, but then here's 10 other things that they did that were awful, that reprehensible. And I enjoy that about it because you do grow to like them in a very strange way, but but then you also realize how disgusting, disgusting and terrible they are at the same time.
6: Is this a show that has outdone what its makers thought it would do?
12: A hundred percent. I mean, Jesse Armstrong, um, he was the creator of Peep Show, as we know, and also worked on um, The Thick of It. And I think he had aspirations for it to be pretty much like a billionaire, The Thick of It, in a way. And I don't think he expected it to be such a massive, audience pool to watch these horrible people do horrible things to each other time and time again. But I think it says to something that is deep inside of us that a lot of people actually recognize the sophistication of the writing where it is like a dark comedy. It's, it's played the, the the most terrible things are actually played for laughs in it. And um, I think it surprised him that the, the actual massive worldwide success, and it surprised HBO as well. And I think during lockdown, The people that hadn't got to grips with it didn't really know it or had tried it and didn't like it, tried it again and persevered and then got into it because it was only two seasons they had to catch up on. It wasn't a lot. And then the kind of community grew and it grew on social media and you could see people talking about it when it had been off air. So the anticipation was huge and expectations were huge for season three.
6: It is one of those that you've got to give it some time to breathe. You you can't just watch season one, episode one, and decide whether you like it or not. You have to open the door to it.
12: Yeah, my rule is give everything three episodes. And if it doesn't reveal itself to you in the three episodes, get out. Life's too short. Move on. There's a million other shows you could be watching. But I would say give succession. If you haven't started it, give it the three. Um, I think the first initial episode, you're just getting used to these characters and their rhythms and how horrible they are to each other and uh, they're breathtakingly horrendous in the first episode so that really you know plugs you into it straight away but I think you get used to the actual way the pattern of the show by by episode 3 in the first season and by then you just warm to it in an odd way definitely
6: Netflix have put up their list of what to watch for November and I suppose leading into December as well and there inside in the middle of it is Tiger King 2 Another series that had very few redeeming characters at all, at all.
12: It it, it really didn't, you know, and I think it was such... A massive phenomenon yeah. um, during lockdown. It kind of came at the right time for us now. I had like 60 million views worldwide. Um, that's nothing compared to Squid Game now with the 140 yeah. million or whatever. But at that time, I think we were all just getting used to lockdown and it just became this thing that brought us together, unified us. It was very communal viewing. Everyone had an opinion on Carol Baskin. Everyone had an opinion on Joe Exotic. But I just don't think they're going to be able to replicate those massive numbers this time around because for a lot of people the story was over the story was done within the first documentary and I think that's perfectly fine and I think to go back to the well I don't know if there's that much there that's left that will draw that much attention and will sustain that story for people because I think we've gotten to know those characters like during the pandemic and post pandemic when the press was all over them and there was you mm. couldn't escape them. And I think they've gone too familiar now. We kind of we know what the story is now at this stage and it's it it's a bit tired. I don't know if people mm. are going to be, you know, really excited to go back into that world.
6: Outside of the Tiger King too, looking at that list that Netflix have out, anything in particular that you'd recommend to us?
12: I'm very excited for Selling Sunset, season four is coming um at the end of this month. It's at the 24th of November. And we've had to wait for a good 15 months for this season to come along. And a lot has happened. And now that I've said that about Tiger King, about us knowing too much about the characters to get back into it. With Selling Sunset, it kind of has the opposite effect. We know we're ahead of the drama now. We know that... You know, certain things have happened. Like Shell is starting to go out with just, her just boss. for people
6: who wouldn't know that that's another reality show. A bit, it's like... a reality
12: show. It's basically like uh, the Real Housewives of Real Estate. That's the way I would describe it. Um it's a real estate company where uh, these twin brothers own it, and it's in the most the fabulous uh, houses and mansions in LA. And they have a team which is all women who all look like kind of identical Barbie dolls who uh, run the offices for them and are the agents, are the lead agents and um, And it's all about the drama within and in and outside work. So it's kind of it gives you that mix of property porn and also the kind of reality TV kicks as well. So with like with the Kardashians, we ended up ahead of the stories of the next season of keeping up with the Kardashians. This is the same with *Selling and Sunset. We now know what to to anticipate from this new season. And it's going to be a lot of drama. And uh, I just think it's it's great escapist viewing.
6: I was just going to ask you, like Real Housewives, I I have been known to run screaming from the room when that (laughs) comes on. All right, And my listeners will know reality TV and me, we just don't, we just don't gel. What is it about it?
12: I think what we enjoy about, I think with reality TV with something like Real Housewives, there's a lot to get into. There is a lot of background and behind the scenes. And when stories happen within the press, you're waiting for them to be revealed within the series. And you want to see how it develops as a storyline with the other people within the show. And I think, you know, for a lot of people during lockdown, especially reality TV became this escapist treat where, you know, a lot of, TV right now is very dark and it's very complex and it's very hard to get a handle on. And there's, you know, something like Line of Duty or anything like that where, or even the Queen's Gambit. And it can be very drawn out and intense. And then something like reality TV can be on in the background. You can be doing other work and it's a nice kind of yeah. ambient noise of distraction from the world. And it's glamorous and beautiful. It's it's like uh, the new Dallas, almost. It's like uh, the Dallas of reality shows are like the new Dallas, yeah. And yeah. I think, I mean, everybody loves... It's like getting into when we didn't have any drama and we didn't have any gossip in our lives, that there was a vacuum. There was yeah. a gossip vacuum. You didn't have office gossip. You didn't have whatever happens at the latest down the pub. You needed to rely on these people to actually give you something, to give you some drama and excitement in your life and and look amazingly glamorous while doing it. Yeah. And I think that's, that's definitely Sick, something. Sickeningly so. Yeah,
6: <laughs> <laughs> and that's just the men. Exactly. <laughs> Jen, thanks very much for doing this. Thank you. That's Jen Gannon, uh, television reviewer with the Irish Times. We'll talk to Jen again maybe over the course of the the winter on stuff that makes you laugh. That's the best yet. Oh, that's oh God, I'd have been unconsolable I'd have lost me popcorn. I really would have. I'll tell you about that in a sec. But first of all, we started this morning with people calling us. And messaging us about COVID tests and whether there are any COVID test appointments available in Cork. Um, now, we did ask the HSE for information, and Cork Kerry Community Healthcare are the department that deal with this, and they say that they continue to provide COVID 19 PCR testing across both counties this weekend. Community testing centres currently functioning to full capacity. Appointments are available for Saturday and over the weekend. There's additional testing capacity provided by the National Ambulance Service at temporary sites. That will also continuing over the weekend. If you can't get an appointment on our self-referral portal, that website that they have, first and foremost, contact your GP who will then help you to schedule an appointment. And they're scheduled as quickly as possible. Also, uh, the HSE is now sending out antigen testing kits to anyone named as a close contact. Now, that's if you're close contact and you're asymptomatic. You'll get antigen tests so that you can test yourself regularly and protect yourself and those around you. Um, now also if people are this is according to again the Cork-Carrie Community Healthcare, if you're looking to book a test and you can't find any slots available check back later because slots may become available they say they monitor on a continuous basis the number of tests being allocated and the slots being booked because certain slots are retained for GPs and, and that kind of thing, so if you sort of, trying to book now, say this is half eleven if you are trying to book now and there isn't a slot try again in an hour or two and in the meantime, contact your GP because they are holding certain slots for GP referrals but the gist of it all, is quite a long statement the gist of it all is that there is testing capacity in the system over the weekend 1850 715996 alright, I, I, I asked you for stuff that makes you laugh and that gives you a belly laugh, and leaves you helpless. I was at the cinema two weeks ago to see Venom. There was a very loud action scene in the movie, and then it cuts to silence really quickly. Someone obviously decided that during the loud scene would be a good time to slip out a cheeky fart. Alas, their timing wasn't the best. Because the silence came, but the fart didn't stop. And it echoed around the silent theatre. And for about the next five minutes, nobody could stop laughing. They were in convulsions. No one could stop. Having laughed that hard for many years, especially with strangers around, like a therapy session. Can you imagine being the poor devil who decided, right, I'm holding this in, right? And then there's loud unscreening. Ah! Oh, no! Yeah. Oh, that's funny.
3: Oh, I'll be thinking about that for the rest of the day.
12: Can we just talk?
3: The Opinion Line on Corks 96FM. With McCarthy
4: Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance.
3: Cmig.ie.
12: Can we just talk?
3: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
4: Call us now. 1850-715-996.
3: On Corks 96FM. Busy
6: weekend for the Premier League. Uh, the Premier League live, of course, back Saturday at 96 ie with Trevor Welsh, all powered by Talk Sport. Big features tomorrow for Trevor and the team. Live coverage against Manchester United and Manchester City. That's at 12.30. Crystal Palace v. Wolves at 3. Brighton against Newcastle United at half past 5. Premier League live online with now. Your sport on your terms. Stream only the games that matter to you most with now. And listen Saturdays on the Corks 96 FM app. Or go to 96fm.ie. Watching telly at the weekend, you may see Caroline Bailey from Sparkle on Last Singer Standing, which is a most unusual talent show. Uh, Are you nervous about it, Caroline? Good morning.
16: Hi. Um, Yeah, I I am looking forward to seeing it now after everything that's after happening. Yeah. And this is a really, really good thing now that um, I'm so excited to see how it all turns out on the telly. It's brilliant.
6: This was before the accident, of course, wasn't it?
16: Yeah, it was just a couple of days before we were after wrapping up. um, And yeah, just a couple of days. But yeah, no, so it's all good. It's all good. But like, it's not much of a talent. It is talent, I suppose, but everyone there can sing you know, so yeah. it's actually brilliant. There's no, like, making a fool out of anyone or anything like that. It's, yeah. it's a game show, like, it's fab.
6: Yeah. It's a whole new concept. I was watching the trailers of it. Tell me how it works.
16: Um, So it's all about, like, using tactics and stuff like that. It's It all goes on rounds and it's, like, um, more of a game show. You have to try buzzing. Like, if somebody is singing and we say there's five songs on the board and somebody is picked at random and they are picked to sing and if you think that there's a song up there um that you might do well then you can buzz in and there might be four or five people buzz in and then it's up to the person who's singing to pick you but again nobody knows who can sing what like you might be a really you might look like you would be brilliant now singing rock songs like you might be there like loads of tattoos and pure rocky but then so, somebody then could belt out like Right. I don't know. Michael Bublé, lean Dion, something like that. It's so, it's so well done. It's brilliant.
6: Okay, it's exciting to show. Um, so, how are you doing anyway?
16: I'm okay. Um, I still have my neck brace on. I'm still in a wheelchair, um, and I just am hoping to be walking now again in in six weeks' time. Hopefully, because I just I'm starting physio since yesterday. So hopefully now by Christmas I'll be walking again.
6: Ah, oh, fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. That's that. that yeah. So that's a great rec- slow and painful, I suppose, but a great recovery.
16: Yeah, every day is a better day. I think you know it's all just recovery. All I can do is just be at home and just recover properly. And I can't do too much because that will only set me back. And I'm hoping to be back by Christmas, hopefully.
6: Mm, you're getting all the TLC you need.
16: Oh, I am. <laughs> Rock me that up. I love it. <laughs> 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 I might I'd be up walking now in Christmas and I'd be like oh my back is sore Jen you have to mind me for another while <laughs> I'm only <resting.">
6: <laughs> <laughs> Caroline we look forward to watching it tomorrow night and continued uh, speedy recovery to you that's Caroline Bailey from Sparkle and just after the episode that you would be watching of Last Singer Standing she had a very very nasty accident lucky to get out of it let's be very straight about it lucky to get out of it Um, and uh, she will be on tomorrow night, we we'll catch up with her again. Maybe before the Christmas to find out how she is doing. Speaking of last chances and stuff, and catching up with stuff, I must mention this again before we finish, because it finishes today. and That's your chance to win this ten thousand euro holiday. Uh, to uh, the New York, um, Corks 96 of M in association with the new season of Succession on Now, doing this all this week finishes today. The holiday is worth ten grand: flights, limo, five-star hotel, helicopter ride, spending money, the whole kit and capoodle. And what you have to do is enter the competition with a simple question, right? And uh, you've been told it a hundred times now. Who plays Logan Roy in Succession? Is it A? Brian Cox, or B, Courtney Cox. All right. To enter, you text the word holiday, your answer, which is either A or B, and your name. And the number to to text it to is 57080. 57080. All right. Your text will cost €2. You've got to be over 18 You need the bill payers permission as well. And all the T's and C's that you need are at 96ofm.ie. All right. 1850-715-996 eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six the last time that this woman did a concert in cork i we only realized this the other day uh, I introduced her on stage at that stage. I had no idea who she was, and she had never met me or let alone heard of me now, two tours of china a place on the world of Warcraft soundtrack. And several uh, songs and EPs later, she's back living in Cork, living in Kinsale, in fact, and she's putting on her first show in Cork in 10 years next Thursday. Hey, Nella.
2: Hey
17: PJ, how are you? <laughs>
6: Good, great to be, and so delighted to be doing this with you next yeah. next Thursday. Um, you've been around the world for sport over the last t- t- 10 years. This is your first gig in Cork though, in a decade.
17: I know, when we were chatting the other day, I just realised that. Yeah, that's, that's mad, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I suppose I was in Dublin for a little while and then I was travelling, so yeah, crazy. Yeah, 10 years, yeah, and that was with you as well, yeah, so and it's right. lovely that you're going to be helping me on the night, hosting and chatting to to everyone, so I'm delighted. So So it's
6: in Fishy Fishy and they're clearing out the restaurant
17: (laughs) for the night. Yeah, so so I moved to Kinsale about a year ago, so I'd just been chatting to Martin from Fishy Fishy on and off about, you know, I don't know, we kind of talk about music, he's never really done it there before and then he just kind of came up with the idea a few weeks or months ago, he was like, why don't we just put on a show, we close the restaurant and see how we get on, you know, and I was like, do you know what, that actually sounds amazing because it." didn't really make sense for me to go back to the pub scene because I'm not really doing that kind of music and do you know it wouldn't have kind of made sense so yeah so he's closing the restaurant for the night and um yourself and I have a local um, amazing piano player uh, Billy Crosby's son Mark, Mark Crosby, yeah. who I was actually in school with. We were in music class together in, in Hewitt. So that was lovely to kind of um, meet him again. And we're great buddies. And yeah, so it's just going to be uh, Mark on the piano. And I'll be uh, singing all my songs. And some of the stuff from, from World of Warcraft and all that is that we'll do the backing tracks of all the orchestra. Yeah. Unfortunately, we couldn't get the orchestra. <laughs> yeah,
6: and you're going to yeah. uh, tell us some stories as well about those. Because we, we talked to you and I before. Like, China yeah. was just, China was mind-blowing. Mm,
17: insane. Mm, yeah it was for so many reasons yeah so so the china china thing was um it was a touring uh show called video games live it's tommy tallarico's project he's um he's a really famous composer he's done earthworm Jim and all these different video games and stuff he's aerosmith's first cousin so they're great buddies and they do shows together but this is tommy's uh, show and basically it's a different orchestra and a different choir in every city and then there was me and Russell, the three-time Emmy-winning composer and great friend now of mine, and he's who gave me that gig initially. Yeah. So it was really, really special to do that twice. And this yeah,
6: is, is how big the, the, the video game business is in China. They actually have live yes. shows. You'll mm-hmm. be doing some mm-hmm. of that stuff, and then you'll be doing your own songs. You've been writing away busy for 10 yeah. years.
17: Yeah, well, yeah, I've been writing with a lot of amazing different people, um, a lot of you know i you know I spent a lot of time in Los Angeles, so I was writing with incredible people like Glenn Ballard and Jeff Roan and all these amazing people who have done amazing things. so I'll be doing a lot of those songs, and then a lot of songs I've been writing with different people in Ireland as well um as well as a new band I have as well called Eru, with two of the guys from Cruachan, a very well known folk metal band. so we've got some amazing um kind of soundscape music that I'm writing all um really old worldy kind of um pagan pre-Christian Ireland type music so I've written a song about Anne Bonnie, so I'm gonna I'm gonna perform that on the night as well so it's gonna be just lots of different kinds of songs but um yeah.
6: And, I'm and tickets are to limited one right to 100 right. <laughs> people how can people get tickets yeah. for the gig?
17: Okay so um basically they ring fishy fishy and um, so fishy fishy is open at four o'clock so they just went on sale yesterday so they're open at four o'clock so they ring fishy fishy or they can pop in um, between now and Sunday because they close Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday as well So and the show is on Thursday so yeah so they just ring and book over the phone so they're 20 euro and a complimentary glass of wine comes with that as well and it's fully seated show then from, um, from 7 o'clock until about half nine and people can chill out afterwards have a few drinks if they want
6: Alright Nella looking forward to it girl really looking forward to it and uh, we we'll talk to you on Thursday good luck with that that's Nella uh, with Mark Crosby on piano at Fishy Fishy next Thursday. It's an unusual venue for a gig. It's their first attempt at doing a gig like this. So good luck to Martin and good luck to Nilla. Fishy Fishy You'll find the details. The website actually is uh, fishyfishy.ie uh, and their phone number will be there. You can call the restaurant and get your tickets. Thank you for that. 1850 Just on this... Look, seven weeks today is Christmas Eve, and it's this kind of stuff coming in very timely. It's coming up to Christmas. I think everyone's under a bit of pressure with the way things are supply-wise and might be tempted to buy pets off done deal. I just want to relay my experience. My poor daughter is coming up to the anniversary of a traumatic event. She's mad about animals. I bought a rabbit off a man on Dundeal. She was thrilled. sad part. the rabbit got very sick, had to take him to the vet, and the news isn't great. It's never worth it, no matter how tempting it is. Don't buy animals on Dundeal before I let you go, remind me to tell you about Lisa Murphy. Uh, That's Lisa who was on with me uh, a couple of days ago talking about the need for her to get into hospital to try to get this awful eating disorder under control and she needed a colossal amount of money to do it. I have news about Lisa before we finish and whatever you do Fiona, say it in me ear again, don't let me forget that. But seven weeks to Christmas Eve... And there will be a panto. Oh, no, there won't. Oh, yes, there will. Oh, no, there won't. Oh, yes, there will. Aladdin at the Everyman. Sophie Motley is their artistic director. Best news of the week, Sophie. Good morning.
18: Good morning, PJ. It is the best news of the week. For me, I think it's the best news of the year.
6: Yeah, yeah. Like Even weeks ago now when we were talking and I was talking to Sean and I was talking over the summer to Catherine Mahon Buckley, like no one knew whether we could do it or not, but we can.
18: We can and to be fair to you PJ we, like, we really didn't know that we could do it until this week that's why we, it's taken us this long we've been weighing it up making sure that we can do it making sure we can make it safe and uh, and we've just decided yes we can do it the city needs it Panto has to come back um, and we're really really excited to be able to have tickets on sale for Monday.
6: Yeah it opens on Wednesday the 8th runs until Saturday January 15th. Will it be 100% capacity or what's the story Sophie?
18: Um, it will be 100% capacity. We've been really gradually building up our capacity since we opened in September from 50 all the way up. We were at 60% for the Jazz Weekend, uh, which went really well. And we feel that our teams and our staff and our audiences are ready for it. We know we can make people feel safe. Uh, and we know that our systems of, of getting people in and out safely are uh, are working so we will be going up to 100 capacity we're, we're delighted to say
6: now we are thrilled as well once again to be on board as official media partners and look forward to seeing you all during the run but the tickets are on sale is it from this monday coming
18: from this monday coming at midday so you can call in in person to the everyman you can call the box office or you can book online
6: Okay, people were asking Sophie, and I, don't, I. You probably possibly can't say at this stage. People were wondering: Is there any chance of an online showing as well for those who might be nervous about going out?
18: Absolutely, that is. That's what we're hoping to be able to do. Um, that's the plan. Um, but we have to make the thing first to make sure that we can film it. But yes, we're 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 really aware that some people. Um, Aren't, aren't so comfortable getting out or may not be able to get out or may not be able to get to the city to see the panto. So we're really hoping we'll be able to have a, a digital version of it. Um, okay. We just won't know until it's up and running.
6: Okay, well, as soon as you know that, we'll, we'll talk again and certainly look forward to seeing. Yes, I am way too old for a panto. I know that, but I'm going anyway. Aladdin at the Everyman opens on the 8th of December. Sophie Motley is their artistic director. Uh, thank you so much for that. Sophie. And running from the 8th of December to the 15th of January and put together by CADA and the incredible Catherine Mann Buckley. Maybe we'll talk to Catherine at some stage as well over the season. I had news, I told you I had news about Lisa Murphy and she told me in agonising detail about how this thing has ravaged her life. I am thrilled to tell you she had a goal of €60,000 on her GoFundMe and she was looking upon it as a huge hurdle. As of this morning Lisa has, Dr Lisa Murphy has 57,805 euro in that GoFundMe she's so close so close and we shared it during the week maybe we'll share it again please see if we get her a, a tip over the line uh, for the weekend that's great news and that's lovely news with which to end the programme edited by Fiona Corkman, produced and researched by Fergal Barry have a good weekend, have a laugh we see you Monday just after 9
3: we just talk. The opinion line on Corks 96 FM with
4: McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie.
0: Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince.